0: Uh, This morning, looking at Matthew, the 25th chapter, um, uh, in the 14th verse, we are looking at a portion of Scripture here where Jesus is telling a bunch of parables, which is a fancy word for stories. Jesus told stories to try and get very complex ideas across the people in a way that people could relate to. It's always important for us to be able to communicate in a way people can understand. Uh, I often get... Wonderful compliments from people who say, you know, Pastor Mark, I love the way that you make things very simple. I always tell them I don't do that for you. I do it for me because I don't get it otherwise. But uh, um, it's just about taking concepts and making them very simple. And Jesus would do this by telling stories to people. Now, he is in the process of telling several stories in a row here, several parables in a row. And he's trying to communicate to them what this is all about. What the kingdom of God is all about. How we're supposed to live while we're here. And the fact that someday we will have to give an account for what we did here with what was given us in the kingdom of God. And so we pick it up in verse 14. He says again. The reason he's saying again is because he's telling several stories in a row. He says again. It, referring to the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. it was an amount of money, a sum of money. He gave, them, he gave them five talents of money. To another person he gave two talents and to another just one talent. Each according to his ability. And I like that phrase because it says a lot about how God deals with us. God will try and tap into what you're able to do. He doesn't try and ask you to do something you cannot do, but will challenge. Now, sometimes we feel like we can't do it. We feel like what we're being challenged is outside of our realm. But God will always deal with us according to our ability. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, He promises he'll never allow us to go through something we cannot handle. So I'm going through terrible times. How can that be? Well, just always know God promises he'll never allow you to go more than what you can handle. In fact he even says. He'll never allow you to be tempted. More than you can handle. Now if you're giving in to temptation. And you're thinking. Well I wouldn't have. But I was so tempted I had to. No, 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 no. See that's a huge insult to God. Because God says. He will never allow Satan or anything. To tempt you more than you can handle. If you're giving in to temptation. It's not because the temptation is so strong. It's because you are so weak. God will never. Cause you or to allow you to face something that is beyond your ability. So, this guy comes and, according to these people's ability, he gives them different amounts of responsibility. So, um, we read that the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So, these guys are essentially investment people. Uh, you know, I know we have people here that are involved in financial. Industries and stuff like that and uh, so this guy gives them these responsibilities in this case the analogy the story is money and these investors had to take what was given to them and make more with it. They had to invest. They had to uh, find ways. They had to take risks. They had to think it through. They had to do it intelligently, smartly, diligently. And what this guy had been given with these five talents of money is he invested and he worked it and he gained five more. He doubled. He doubled what had been given to him. Also, the man with the two talents did the same thing. He went out and he smartly invested and put to work the uh, resources that he had and watched over them and he doubled what he had been given as well. But the man who had received the one talent, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground. And he hid his master's money in in the hole in the ground. Well, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. He says, Master, look. Look, you gave me five. Look what I did. I doubled it. I gave five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. You have been faithful, he says, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Remember, this is an analogy of our accounting someday before God. The man with the two talents also came and said, Master, look, 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 look. He gave me two. Look what I did. I doubled it. I got two more. And his master replied, said, well done, good and faithful servant. Say faithful. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I, I know you're a hard guy or you're, you're kind of tough, you... A harvest where you have not sown, you gather where you have not seed scattered seed. In other words, you, 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 you're a tough guy and you win in areas you, you haven't even been in before. He was kind of like, you know, one of these real successful people, and he says, you know, I, I know you had a high standard. So in verse 25, he says, so I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. afraid. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And and he gave it back to him. Well, the master was really ticked off. Remember, this is an analogy of our standing before God someday. He was really ticked off and said, You wicked, lazy servant. Now, it should be noted that while the master took his servant to task for being lazy and wicked, that's not really what motivated him. He didn't go do something with what he was given because he was lazy. He didn't say, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. I mean, that's a typical lazy person. Just don't, they don't do it because they don't want to do it. You know? In fact, the number one reason people don't do things is I don't want (laughs) to. That's it. That's laziness. And he wasn't wicked in in the terms of "Let's, let's do something real mean. I just want to hurt this guy. I want to rip him off. That wasn't his motivation but at the end of the day the master viewed it as laziness and wickedness all of that is not what motivated him, what motivated him was fear he was afraid, fear will rob you of life fear will keep you from doing the right thing, why I'm afraid I'm afraid what my friends will think. I'm afraid what my girlfriend will think. I'm afraid what this will think. I don't know. I don't want to really do it. And fear keeps people from doing the right thing. Fear will rob you of your confidence. One of the things that these guys had to do. It was risky. They had to take something, and now they had to go do something with it and make something with it. And think it through and invest it. And there's always some danger of risk involved in that. Fear will rob you of the confidence to take what's been given to you in life and make something of yourself i often my heart often goes out to people who you know try a business and it fails and stuff like that i know the i've been there i know what it's like but you know who i really feel sorry for the people who never try the people their entire life is living in a gray fog and they never step outside the box and they spend their entire life just being safe oh man those are the those are the people I feel sorry for people who never lived never really achieved their potential because of fear fear of failure oftentimes people let their past dictate their future and if you struggled and failed at all a lot of people then they just kind of circle the wagons because they've had some failures and they don't want to do anything anymore. I don't want to do it anymore I, I, I gotta be careful we have people like that who've, who've been through bad relationships. I, I never want to get another relationship I, I hate everybody now you know because they're fearful they let their past dictate their future you know God bless my dad and, and my mom while they were certainly not perfect one of the wonderful things they did in us kids is they always instilled in us the potential of great success. They told us all our lives, you can do anything because you're a gunger. Now it took us to at least 35 or so before we figured out that didn't mean anything. <laughs> you know. But it was a powerful seed, I'm telling you. You know how oftentimes many people they're out there trying to do things in life, trying to succeed in life, but they they have this haunting voice. You're a loser. You're a failure. You're not good enough. You'll never make it. Some of you struggle with that voice. Some of them, your parents gave you that voice. Your grandparents or your teachers or somebody gave you this, you know, you're a loser. And it, and it makes you freeze up and you don't live life. I thank God. You know, the one... Voice that has haunted me all my life. And I have had a great deal of failures in my life. Time would fail us to go into all the flops of my life. But through all of them, I had this one voice that has always haunted me. That has said, you can do anything. You're a gunger. And while I realize that doesn't mean anything, it helped me to tap into God's view of me because He says you can do anything. He says nothing is impossible to him that believes. And it helps me to rise up and to go farther than I could have on my own. Trust me, I'm the most unqualified man I know to do what I do. (laughs) I kid you not. I look at the success I have in life and what I've done and I think there's a big disconnect here. I mean it is truly amazing but you know even though I might experience this despite this this makes sense to me why because I can do anything it's amazing as I travel around the world you know you have to understand I barely got through high school barely I used to pray God give me a D you know I mean <laughs> This was my, the height of my hope and expectation. Oh, God, give me a D. Please give me a D. The only reason they should have never graduated me. I am not exaggerating. They had no business to graduate. I'm sure they were just tired of me. Get rid of them. Later in life, I got into the ministry through correspondence courses and working and I was going, in the Assemblies of God at the time. That's how I got, even got into my ministerial credentials. I had to work extra hard later because in school, I was, was a disaster. But here I am today. and It's amazing. I, was, I just came back from Denmark. And uh, people there told me how in some of their universities over there. And this is true of universities all over the world today. You know that little clip of me on YouTube talking about how men and women think the brains and stuff like that? Universities all over the world play that. Trying to explain the activity in men and women's brains. And I think... <laughs> really you know it's, it's amazing it's truly amazing i got a call from a, 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 a documentary in france they're weird people but france and uh and and they they're they're doing this documentary on the intricacies of the male and female brain and they wanted to get permission to play my clips so that i could help explain men's and women's brains to the world in their documentary and I'm going, wow, for Mr. D, you know, wow, you know. And then, and, then, and then I got a call from like, it was like John Hopkins University or something like that. They have their own radio station. And they called me, wanted to interview me because they wanted to do a show on the brain. And I said, you realize I know nothing about brains. <laughs> and I said, Oh, we just love the way you say it. So, I mean, this is, this is all bizarre, you know. It's like when I'm really qualified to do what I'm doing, there's this huge disconnect. But somehow this makes sense because I'm a Gunger. <laughs> but fear will rob you of that. It'll take away your confidence and suck the life out of you. Fear will steal your faith in a God who cares for you and believes in you. It will transform your energy for potential into laziness. It will transform your ability to do right and turn it into wickedness. Fear is a terrible thing. That's why you want to grow your faith. You want to get as much of God in you as you can. Because the more of this stuff you listen to and why you ought to come on Wednesday nights and get into the Bible study that we do on Wednesday nights and do everything you can to get more of God into your life. Why? It's to break the shackles of fear and to increase your faith so you start to realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And nothing is impossible to me. But you can't get there if you spend only 20 minutes on a Sunday listening to me blather because you're surrounded by a world who'll tell you you can't do it you need to get more of God in you, give yourself opportunity this place should be packed out on Wednesday nights I'm busy, yeah? you're too busy then it's an opportunity for you to grow in your faith anyway, pick it up the guy says look Uh, The master says, look, you, you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered seed. You know I got a high standard. Well, then at the least, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And he told the people around him, take that talent from him that he has and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And the most frightening verse. Remember this is an analogy of judgment day someday. And throw that worthless servant outside. Into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Three examples. Two examples of faithfulness. One of fearfulness. We've been doing a series this year and continuing to do it and what it means to be a healthy, strong, successful church a real community of faith we've been going to the core values and principles of what it means to be a healthy church and one of the core values of the Christian faith that is absolutely essential for a thriving church is this idea of faithfulness we need to be faithful to be faithful is to be dependable to be loyal, to be there when you are needed it is the cord of faithfulness that should be shooting through all of us and tying us all together because we are faithful to one another now many of you know if you've been to my seminars I I do this thing called the flag page or if you've been through some of the classes in the church about where to get involved in the church we have you do a flag page if you haven't done that check with Pastor Latham some some of the others and, and they'll get you a free code and you go and take this test it's great fun because you do this test, you input it online, and you get this incredible output that shows you who you are at your very best. It's great fun. It's a fabulous picture. And one of the most motivations that pop up the most frequently of all the motivations that are in people's heart, oftentimes, is this motivation of faithfulness. Lots of you have it. Faithfulness. Now, a lot of times, people look at people who have faithfulness that is big to them, and we think that just—that's a great thing. It just means they'll always be there for you but it's really much stronger than that it's a two-way street what they're saying is I will always be there for you but you better be there for me and that's exactly the way they feel and they think and it's a strong core that ties them together oftentimes people with a real strong sense of faithfulness we all have varying degrees of it and this program will show it to you it's kind of interesting but those who have a real strong f- sense of faithfulness they're the kind of people they, they build an emotional fence around themselves you know who you are you build an emotional fence around yourselves and if you can get over the fence you're in for life but if you die crawling over the fence they could care less <laughs> sometimes they're shooting at people trying to get in the fence blam blah, blah! these are the people they don't feel the need for a lot of friends in fact they intentionally just want a few close friends describes a lot of you here i'm a little different wired than that There's people like me we're just we want everybody to be our friend Everybody! When we run into some of you people, it's kind of a shocker because you stiff arm us. You know, back off Jack, you know. Because why? You got to earn your way in. And that's okay. Because you take it seriously. And that's a positive thing. You have to remember, the reason this pops up so much is we're made in the image of God. And God is very strong on faithfulness. He will always be there for you. But as we've seen in our parable this morning, He expects you to be there for Him. And He takes this very, very seriously. My lovely daughter Leslie, she was always real high key on faithfulness, you, know, you know. All all her life when she was growing up as a kid, she never wanted to have more than one friend. We say, Leslie, you need more friends. Why? I have one. Yeah, because you know, they take it very, very seriously. How do you discipline a child who the greatest joy is to be by themselves? Go to your room. Drove us crazy. I kid you not, we got to the point where we would look at her and say, if you don't stop it, we're going to invite all the children in the neighborhood to come over and play with you. (laughs) And she'd start crying. Oh, you hate me, you hate me. Sheesh. I expected her head to go. (laughs) One weird kid, but she was strong and faithful. Dependable, loyal, be there. This cord, this sense of faithfulness. If we're going to be a real church. People, we may not be the smartest people in the world. We may not be the prettiest people in the world. Though we probably are. Um, (laughs) But if there's one thing that should mark who we are as a group of people. It needs to be this cord of faithfulness. Now I get it. It doesn't come easily. And it probably shouldn't. And that's okay. But at some point, you have to start making a decision. I am part of this place. And while you may not be able to make that decision just like that, you need to do it and you need to do it and take it seriously. We should have to really work hard at getting rid of you. I just have to go out of my way to really tick you off before you leave. But you know, most churches, the opposite is in play all the time. It takes very little to get people mad to leave. Have you noticed so many pastors, they, they're afraid to say anything? Have you ever listened to a sermon after 30 minutes and walk out and go, what the heck was that? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they just talk in this gray blather of nothingness. blah, 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 blah. They, don't, they don't say anything. Why? They're scared to death to say anything. Because they know the rule in most churches is if I say something that ticks you off, you will leave. If I say anything that might challenge you, you'll walk out the door and not come back anymore. That's insane. We need to stop this nonsense. It's not being a church. Now listen, we're not some kind of a cult. You can leave whenever you want to leave. You're not going to go to hell if you don't come to this place. We don't think in those kinds of terms. Cults that give you no other way. You have to be with them or you'll never make it kind of thing. Or they make you feel horrible like you're going to go to hell. That's not who we are. But I don't think we have to have one or the other. I don't think we either have to be a cult or a typical church that nobody lets anybody tell them I to no. do. We need to become a community of faith and we are tied together. And if there's one sense, if there's one value, if there's something that marks us as people at Celebration Church, it's the concept, the feeling of faithfulness. This is my family. This is my family faith. You might really tick me off, but you're still my family. It's like when all the Gunger kids all get together, you know. The six of us get together, you'll notice two things one, it's really loud, two, we argue constantly. But you know what? It's safe for us to do that. Do you know why? Because we're family. And there's nothing you can say that will make you stop being family to me. When my dad first passed, my mom was sitting there looking at him very sad. and She said to me, she says, Now, now I have to die. I said, why, Mama? She said, well, I'm next. I have to go. I said, no, Mama, Mama. We took a vote. We want Layla, my sister, to die next. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, she was sitting right there, too. It was great. Uh, (laughs) I did say I did pull myself out as a a candidate myself. I must say I I wasn't part of the voting, but uh, she just laughed, you know. Oh my gosh. Your family. Family should mean something. You know how many churches people leave the church because the pastor says one thing they don't like? Are you kidding me? Do you know how many churches left because they didn't like the color of the carpet? They put a new carpet. I didn't like the color of that carpet. They put... That's why we have every color known to man in this carpet. <laughs> Seriously, somebody was on drugs when they bought this thing. I don't know. I will never get past this. It's like, ugh. 400,000 churches in America, 80% of them have 100 people in them or less. Do you know why? It's about how many people you can get together, they can all agree on the carpet. It's about how many people you can get together that will all agree with everything the pastor says. Seriously, something said wrong. They change a program. They quit doing with the kids. They do the children's different. Duty. They do this. They change the songs, and everybody falls apart. And they're out of here. We will never. You know, you read the New Testament, and you see how the power of God was so evident in these people's lives. They saw miracles, like wow kind of miracles. A lot of times, people wonder, how come we don't see that anymore? Well, I'll tell you why we don't see it anymore. We're not a church. Most churches aren't, these people were in it for life. They laid down their lives for one another. The one core that just took all of their hearts and bound them together through anything, including some of the most horrific persecution is this bond of faithfulness. And in that environment, God shows up and just starts doing cool things. We'll start really experiencing more of God's power when we start being the kind of people God can bless. And to do that, we have to be faithful. What holds people back from being faithful? Fear. Fear of being hurt. Fear of being disappointed. Fear of being taken advantage of. Fear of not being able to measure up. People. Let's set our faith fears aside, let's talk down our fears and let's build up our faith. Let's become faithful people, not fearful people. Faithfulness is absolutely essential to the Christian faith. That's why we're talking about this whole, don't forget God this summer. You know what this is? This is one summer where we're going to practice faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. We're going to practice faithfulness faithfulness. We're going to get in your face. We're going to wave it in front of you. We're going to give you a little magnet so you stick on your refrigerator. We're going to send you things in the mail. We're going to torment you this summer. (laughs) To just say, hey, be faithful. Be faithful. Continue to support your church. Be faithful. And look, you got a great day and you want to enjoy that day. I mean, there's so many faithfulness few days, I mean. So few days of nice days where we live. I think summer's already gone. What happened? You know. You know, it's. and you want to go camping or spend time with it. By all means, just don't forget God. Don't forget to support your church. Go online. Say, where are you going? we got to leave. Wait, 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 wait. wait! We can't leave yet. i got to put in my offering for the week. Zing. Send it off into cyberspace. Be Faithful. Remember, someday we will all stand before God. And there's going to be two camps. Faithful. Unfaithful. Well, I was afraid. or oh, I forgot. Or I was busy. Or I didn't mean. All that you're going to hear is wicked and lazy. Let's be faithful. I'm going to invite our ushers to come. Get ready to serve communion. And our musicians can come back. We need to encourage, foster, and challenge each other to rise to a deeper sense of faithfulness. Let's be the kind of people God can bless, that he can use. We're getting ready to take communion now. This is where we turn our hearts to the cross. The Bible says that when we take communion, we're supposed to examine ourselves. Don't sit there and just pop stuff in your mouth. Examine yourself. Where are you at with what you just heard? Are you faithful? Have you been unfaithful? Are you undependable? This is your opportunity to say, Father, forgive me. Give me a greater sense of faithfulness. Let your Holy Spirit convict me when I'm not being faithful. Help me be the kind of person that can have enough faith to be part of something bigger than me. To lose my fears that hold me back maybe you're here this morning and all of this is new to you you're thinking wow I don't, I don't really know God like you guys are talking about well you can start to know God this morning if you'll put your faith in Jesus we're going to bow our heads I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head in a prayer right now and those of you watching my video as well if you'd pray with us I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to repeat this after me if you're willing to turn away from the wrong in your life And put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith. You can start to experience God's faithfulness to you. But remember, it's a two way street. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you love me so much, you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.